0: What is enlightenment? I I just remember being fascinated with this idea of, why are we here? Why are we here? Why do we do what we do? Purpose? I didn't know it at the time, but I was really asking, you know, what's my purpose and how do I live it? And so at at the time that I was invited to Mexico to go on this build, I was also part of a workshop and they asked me this really powerful question, it was called light and leadership, and the question they asked is one many people have heard, but for some reason at that moment it really hit me, it was, if you had all of the money and the time in the world, what would you do? You know, if you woke up tomorrow morning, there's a hundred million dollars in your bank account and you've got unlimited time, freedom, whatever you want to do, what does your life look like?
1: Welcome, I'm Brian Gates and this is True Leader Shift. Our mission is to expand awareness of what's possible in life and business. I created this show to introduce you to business leaders and life hackers so that you can learn about the pivotal moments in their lives that have shifted their perspective on what it means to be successful. So today I'll be sharing the conversation that I had with Mike Sherbikoff, founder of the Greatness Foundation and host of the Do Great Things podcast. Mike is empowering leaders with the resources they need to change the world. He helps purpose-driven individuals and organizations transition from good to great. Mike truly embodies community and intention, purpose, and passion. It was a great conversation. I'm really looking forward to sharing it with you. So let's get right into it. What's going on, brother? Hey. Great to see you. Thank Thank you. Thank you for being here. Appreciate you, brother. Excellent. I'm really excited to have you here. For episode one, True leadership it's very exciting. Um, as I mentioned this show to a couple of people, multiple people brought you up immediately. They said, I, a good friend of mine, Mike Sherbakoff, he has to be on your show. You have to talk to him. And I think that just, it shows how much of a community you have and how connected you are in the community and how important community is to you. Because they didn't just say, hey, there's this guy, Mike Sherbakoff. They said, this is a good friend of mine, Mike Sherbikov. So I know, and in talking to you the other day, that uh, community, community is very important to you. Real connections with people is really important to you. But talk a little bit about that. Why is having a strong community so important for you? And why do you think it's such a powerful thing for leaders to
0: have? Well, thank you for that feedback, first of all. For me, community is everything. It's When I look back as a kid, all I ever wanted was community, but not just a community for the sake of having it, but a community that shared the kind of values that I had. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking for that for a long time. And in high school, I would act in a way that was out of integrity to what I knew was true to me for the sake of having community. I was friends with people that I actually, at the time I knew I didn't really wanna be friends with, but I just wanted that connection and community so much. Mm. And then I joined the Marines when I was 18 and I felt a strong sense of community there. And I really, it was this environment that I was thriving in and still the values, as much as I love my time in, weren't completely aligned with, with who I was. Then I went to college and joined a fraternity and same thing, had this amazing community and brotherhood. And still the values weren't completely aligned to who I was. The kinds of things that I care about, of finding your purpose, of of giving back, of of being of service, creating a purpose-driven business, entrepreneurship, all of these things that, that I'm passionate about. I was always looking for a community like that. And what I realized is If I wasn't gonna go out and find one, then it was up to me to create it. And that's really how it started. So to receive the feedback that people are saying, my good friend Mike Sherbakov has this community, (laughs) that's all I ever wanted. And now that it's here, it's what I'm most grateful for. It's the core of everything that I do personally. It's the core of everything that we do as, as, as the Greatness Collective. community is everything. So what I did is I just went out and took a stand and said, these are the things that I care about. And if you care about these things too, cool. I wanted to be as inclusive as possible. I, anyone who shares those same values, I want them to be part of it. So to answer your question, how important is it? It, it is everything. It's the core of what I do. It's the core of, of what we do. And it just, um, I'm in this place in my life where I'm so grateful that I look around at the kind of people in my life and they're all people that inspire me. Again, this is something mm-hmm. that I just wanted to have for such a long time. And now every single person in my life is, is an inspiration in one form or another. They, they become teachers to me because there's something that they're doing or a way that they're being that I'm inspired by. Mm,
1: I love that. I love that. Because really who we surround ourselves with is really contributes to our own being, right? And, and our own power and our own value uh, and what we can accomplish in the world, right? And in our lives. So, so then as a business leader, uh, why, why is community so important? Because I know that a lot with what you do with the Greatness Collective, and the Greatness Foundation, is bringing powerful people together and providing them the resources and connections uh, that are necessary
0: for them to do their greatest work in the world. Yeah, I mean, it really boils down to what what I wish I had when I first started my journey. Mm. And like I mentioned, this is all I really wanted growing up was community and a very specific intentional type of community. And I'm also keenly aware of how beneficial that community is for my growth. How integral having like-minded people is for my growth. And so we've all heard the quote by Jim Rohn that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. If someone hasn't heard that, it's this idea of, you know, you look at your income level, it's gonna be about the same as the five people that you spend time with. If you look at your, your habits and, and your physical health, it's probably gonna be right around, you know, if you're hanging out with a lot of people that are always eating junk food and never exercising and watching TV all the time, you're probably gonna be doing that. I love to go to the gym. I love yoga. I love eating healthy. The majority of my friends are in that same kind of place too. Mm. Even something like alcohol. It doesn't really matter to me whether someone drinks or not, but I, I choose not to drink. And what I, when I look at the kind of people in my life, almost everyone in my life doesn't really drink either. And so um, that's not by accident. It, it's actually who I'm very intentionally surrounding myself with. Mm. And so as a business leader, I think uh, if, if someone's really looking to, to grow, and not just create a business for the sake of business. And I think we'll, we'll get into that is this idea of, I believe we're in a business 4.0 model. We had 3.0, which is people, planet, profit. And now I think that there's a fourth, 4.0, which is now including purpose as well. I think that when we're clear on our purpose and we establish a business that's in alignment with that purpose, what we naturally do, almost a byproduct of what we create, is a community that cares about that purpose. So like I said, I kind of took a stand and said, I want to make a difference. I, want, I believe in businesses that make a difference. And what ended up happening, this byproduct, was people said, okay, I care about that too. And they became part of it. Mm. And really the success of what we've done, I mean, I, I shared with you earlier, but you know, we put up a campaign f- to go build homes in Mexico. We've been doing that for about six and a half years. And on a Monday afternoon, people were saying, oh, the rest of the year's full. Can you open up one more build, one more build? We go, okay, sure put this thing up, not even knowing if it's really gonna happen or not, just kind of testing it out. And in 36 hours, we raised $13,000 and filled up the entire build with volunteers. Mm. Keep in mind, people are paying to go be part of an experience, to go help a family that they've never even met, spending their weekend, giving up their time, energy, and resources. And yet people are are waiting and, and jumping at the opportunity to go do something like that. Like that's the kind of community I want, people that are that passionate. And so what's really cool is the byproduct has been you know, a really thriving business because people actually align with the values. Mm. And that's exciting to me.
1: I love that, I love that. Yeah, I saw that uh, your next few builds are sold out almost all the way through 2019 for your, your home builds in Mexico. Actually all the way
0: through the rest of the year. Is it yeah. all the way?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And you have a big group. You have big groups that go and build those houses. So that's a lot of people that are involved in that. Yeah,
0: we started, uh, it started about seven years ago when I was invited on a house bill down in Mexico, that changed my life. And I don't, I don't use that term lightly. Mm. I've had, you know, being in the Marines for five years, that was a pretty life-changing experience. Having my son at 20 years old, pretty life-changing experience. You wouldn't necessarily think a weekend, a couple days in Mexico is life-changing, but it truly was because I was coming back on Sunday afternoon after, in two and a half days, we built a home from the ground up. And when I say ground up, I mean, they're actually living on dirt. There are sticks and then maybe pallets for walls and a tarp for a roof. And I, I I got really emotional on the drive back. I'm crying in this van, realizing that my life needs to have more of those kinds of experiences. It made me even question how I spent my weekends in the past. I mean, in college, had a great time, but you know, we'd go to Vegas on the weekends or I'd sleep in and, and kind of you know watch football on Sundays. Again, nothing wrong with that, but I compare that weekend to a weekend where I'm building a home for a family, and we fed 150 families, and we, we uh, worked at a local orphanage. And like, talk about filling your life with meaningful experience. That was it for me. And so when I got back, all I did is put out a message to my friends and said, I need to go back to Mexico. I need to do something like this again. Who wants to come with me? Mm-hmm. And at first, maybe fifteen people came, and I had to fund the rest of the trip. And I go, oh my gosh, this you know this isn't sustainable. I can't keep doing this forever. And then the next build, you know, thirty people came, and then forty-five. And then we had to start capping them. You know, so now we take sixty people about down at a time. We build two homes every time instead of one, mm-hmm. and now we've taken over a thousand people down with us. That is amazing. That is amazing. Such good work.
1: Um, and I've been. Uh, I've done something similar to that over the years of building homes down there. and It is incredibly fulfilling. Absolutely. It's interesting to think about, like you said, you know, how did I used to spend my weekends compared to how you're choosing and being intentional with your weekends now? And just the difference difference in kind of your fulfillment, right, with the time that you're spending on this and and how you feel related to that. That's
0: amazing. I'll share something, what it boils down to. And this is something... I I think about, it's something I talk about, and it's something for me that has been the biggest catalyst. And that is five words, you are going to die. Mm, Wow. And I think most people, when they think about death, there's a bit of this micro avoidance that happens. And we don't like to think about it. I know I certainly didn't for a long time. But what I find when I think about death, what I find happens is it really quickly brings to the surface what's most important. You know, uh, in the Marines, I, I lost friends. I've mm. lost friends, you know, f- probably a few a year over the last few years. And my parents have had close calls with their health. And when these things happen, all of a sudden, the stuff that doesn't matter goes away and the stuff that's really important comes to the surface. And, and for me, and this is just me personally, I can't speak to anyone else's experience, but for me, that kind of impact work is important to me. Building a community of people that share the same values is important to me. And all the things that I used to do, like, you know, watching football on Sundays and going out and drinking on a Friday or Saturday night or whatever, again, it, it maybe for someone else, that's their path. But for me, it, it's not mine. And so this reminder for me of I am going to die is, is so powerful mm-hmm. because... Anytime, I have this, anytime I'm at the crossroads of a decision of which thing do I want to do, mm. I'm gonna choose the one that's most meaningful. And so, you know, to your point, that, that to me is like almost the secret sauce of living a meaningful life is remind yourself of your own mortality, remind yourself of your own death, because it's happening, our life is happening. The one thing we know for sure that is going to happen is we are going to die. And so how much life, how much meaningful life can we fill into the years and time that we're here?
1: So what does death mean to you? What, in your view,
0: what, where do we go? What happens when we die? Short answer is, I don't know. Um, There's two things that come to mind that, that relate to death. The first one is that seven years ago, if I would have asked myself honestly, am I proud of the life I've lived? God forbid, let's say something happened the answer would have been no. And that was this huge wake up call to me because on the outside, check, check, check. Five years in the Marines, degrees in kinesiology and psychology, a son, a business that's thriving that I had just sold. All of these things that I thought were important had them. And yet the honest answer is if I was living a life I was proud of, the answer was no. I'm really grateful that at this point in my life now, if God forbid something happens, that I'm proud of the life I'm living. I'm proud of what I'm creating, the kind of community we have and and how I'm showing up as a son and as a father and as a brother and as a business leader and all these other aspects. So so I'm grateful for that. Mm -hmm. But to your point of what happens, I I don't know. I I have no idea. And I think if anyone actually says with certainty that they know 100%, I think they're lying to themselves. But what what I do know for sure is that I'm here now. And that in this lifetime, I'm going to do everything that I can with what I have. You know, I've always been a huge fan of psychology. And one of the people you learn about very early on in psychology is Abraham Maslow. He talks about the hierarchy of needs. And he kind of has this pyramid. And at the very bottom are your basic needs, which is why we like to focus on basic needs. And then as you move your way up the pyramid, at the very top is self-actualization. And, and he says, what one can be, one must be. So that's what my journey feels like in this lifetime is, I don't know when it's going to end. None of us do. Mm-hmm. But what I'm going to do during my time here is self-actualize as much as I possibly can. And not just you know every year, not every month, not every week, every day, but my friend Corey put it really well. He, he called it momently. He said, on a momently basis, every moment that you show up, can you show up as the best version of myself? Can I show up as the best version of myself? Can I strive for self-actualization? I love
1: that. That is great. That is really good. And in knowing that in some moments, you're not going to be as strong as others, and it's giving yourself permission to do the best you can to live that self-actualization on a moment-by-moment basis, right? That's great. Um, So when did that shift occur? Because you, you mentioned that you had all the things, right? You had all the, the boxes checked, the military experience. You know, you had an amazing son. You had a business that you sold. But when did you? When did that shift? Because it sounds like that wasn't fulfilling to you. It was kind of a false fulfillment to you. And then you, at some point, you shifted into uh, the direction that you're on now, which is more about your, your purpose, more, more of a purpose-driven uh,
0: fulfillment. Yeah. I would say it was probably around that moment that I was referring to Mexico because there were a series of other things that were happening along with that. I was really deep down this rabbit hole of personal development and and really figuring out my purpose. I mean, I remember being 14 years old and and Googling, or I don't even think Google was around, Yahooing or something. (laughs) You know, what is yeah. AOLing, instant messaging, whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, what is enlightenment? I, I just remember being fascinated with this idea of why are we here? Why are we here? Why do we do what we do? Purpose. I didn't know it at the time, but I was really asking, you know, what's my purpose and how do I live it? And so at the, at the time that I was invited to Mexico to go on this build, I was also part of a workshop. And they asked me this really powerful question. It was called light and leadership. And the question they asked is one many people have heard, but for some reason at that that moment, it really hit me. It was, if you had all of the money and the time in the world, what would you do? You know, if you woke up tomorrow morning, there's $100 million in your bank account and you've got unlimited time, freedom, whatever you want to do, what does your life look like? And actually write that down. So I I did that exercise. Hmm. You You were old? uh, Well, this is right about... I was 26. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I would have loved to have that even younger. I don't know if it would have hit me the same way based on kind of where I was in my headspace. But for whatever reason, those words and that question at the time was profound for me because the things I started writing was, you know, I want to travel. I want to give back. I want to surround myself with amazing people. I want to read. I want to write. I want to learn. I want to create content. I want to have a thriving business. So I'm writing down all of these things that... You know, I take off the restrictions of time and money. And what I realize is I don't need to wait until I have $100 million and all the time in the world. I can actually do these things now. And better yet, what if I actually create a business or a life around these things? Yes. So now, I mean, I get to do these things that I love, that I wrote down. And and the, the honest answer, and I tell my friends this all the time, if I woke up tomorrow and there was a hundred million dollars in my bank account and I was, they said, "You have all the freedom, my life does not change very much. Yeah, in that's, fact, that's I had amazing yeah, this, I had this really big moment uh, f- probably four or five years ago because I, I've been committed to this path and by the way, I'm never stepping off this path. This is like, once you experience it, you can't <laughs> you know right. like I can, I can teeter off of it, but it's all about regaining the balance. But here was this big wake up this, this moment for me that was, wow, this is it. I, uh, my birthday is January 25th. I remember going to bed the night of January 24th, this maybe four or five years ago. And then I wake up on the morning of the 25th and I have this feeling of, oh, wow. Okay. There's, I've got, I've got money in my bank account, um, I'm kind of live where I want to live. I, I can do anything I want to do with anyone that I want to do it with. Right. I, if I wanted to drive to the airport and buy a ticket and fly somewhere, I could do that. Yeah. The ability to do it. I have yeah. the ability to do it. And do you know how I spent my day? I, I woke up, I took my puppy down to the beach, made breakfast for my son, I took him to school, went to the office and worked for a few hours, called some friends, had lunch with them, had an amazing dinner, played board games, which I love, I was a nerd about, and went to bed early. And what was amazing, I'm like getting goosebumps talking about it because my birthday, the most special day of the year that I could do and spend any way that I wanted to, was just like every other day of the year. was just like the other 364 days of the year. And that was the moment for me I'm like, wow, I'm doing it right. You're doing it. Where it feels, I mean, the reality is every day it feels like my birthday. I'm getting to celebrate it because I'm doing the things that I love and that light me up. And mm-hmm. that, that was a cool feeling.
1: That's amazing. So, so going back to kind of pre that shift towards p- passion, purpose, everything that you are living today, what, what would you say was driving you and motivating you? Because um, it, it feels like um, now you're very much driven by passion, purpose, uh, community, all of those things. And back there, where what was that? What was that that was driving you? It, was kind of, it sounds like it was kind of a false motivator in there. You were trying to do something for
0: others versus yourself. It's, oh yeah. I mean, all, all of that. It was... Um and these are still things that like I, I deal with and you know I I have developed habits I've developed certain routines that that make that voice a little quieter but it's still there and there' it's the people pleasing mm. you know it's the um, growing up my parents uh, are very academically driven we were born in Moscow my oldest sister mm. went to Stanford my other sister after that got a full ride to William Mary, then got her doctorate in neuroscience. Little brother got a full ride to Davis and got his master's at Berkeley. And so
1: you No know, pressure. Yeah, no pressure at all. <laughs> and
0: and here's Mike, you know, and and I pushed the boundaries of my family. And I did so from a really rebellious state. Really, I, I didn't do it because that's what I wanted to do. I just, I just wanted to do the opposite of what hmm. my family was doing or what my parents told me to do.
1: How did they feel about you going to the military?
0: No one, I mean, no one really even knew. Like, it was a decision that I made at 18. Hmm. And they were, they were upset, uh, honestly. And until my graduation, and then I remember them coming to the graduation and just being overwhelmed with joy because, oh, this is, this is what he was meant for. Okay. But... It was certainly the path was, you know, you go to high school, you get great grades, you go to college, you get great grades, you know, you work in a job and you start a family and that's what you do. And I, I was I kept coloring outside those lines. Mm. And so people pleasing to me was big because I think there's this desire that I wanted to, um, even though I was rebelling, it's, it's weird, it's this kind of oxy, you know, contradiction where although... I was rebelling from what my parents wanted. I wanted their approval. Hmm. And like I said, there's still parts of me there. I don't live my life for my parents' approval, but there's certainly, you know, I love making my parents proud. Yeah. And so what, what ended up happening in high school I mentioned, and I would, I, I would sacrifice my integrity and my values for the sake of pleasing someone else. And when I go even a little level, level deeper of, okay, well, why did I do that, right? Why do I have this people-pleasing kind of aspect of my character? And it really stems from not feeling like enough. And so if, if I don't feel like enough, then I'm going to go out and hopefully have someone in some way tell me that I'm enough, right? Mm-hmm. And like I said, this is, these things still come up because of the moments of, you know what are you doing running this business and and what are you doing as a leader in the community and like you're not you you can't do this Mm -hmm. you know and um i i still yeah i I still deal with that but i would say at the core of it is is i'm not enough Mm -hmm. is um not feeling capable enough not feeling like i have enough experience not feeling like i'm smart enough um, because the, the comparison thing kicks in often, you know I, I look at the people I really respect and admire, the Elon Musks, the Bransons, the, the Bill Gates of the world. And yes, I, I kind of strive to, to do the kinds of things that they're doing on that level. And as much as it can be this inspiration, it also sometimes makes me feel like I'm not enough. You know I go I'm 34 years old now. there's why haven't I done more? Hmm. Interesting.
1: Wow. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Because that's not something that I would have guessed because you've accomplished so much at, at 34. You know, it's, it's, it's truly inspiring. So I appreciate you sharing that. So then you said that it still continues to come up, this feeling of I'm not good enough, this this need to, people, to please others or kind of show your worth or feel your worth through their eyes or their acknowledgement. So how on a day-to-day basis, how do you manage through
0: that? How do you break through that? Well, one of the big things for me was um, going to, it sounds kind of cliche, going to a Tony Robbins seminar, UPW, Unleashed Power. Awesome, I I did that too. Yeah. So, very powerful. Very powerful. Yeah, And And it does sound cliche. It's funny. (laughs) I I went to a Tony Robbins seminar. My life changed. Right.
1: (laughs) And it's... I mean, yeah, so it's true. Right?
0: Yeah, so you probably remember on, on Saturday afternoon when they do the Dickens process or experience, mm-hmm. I don't want to ruin it for anyone that hasn't done it, but yeah. essentially you, you do a visualization of your life if you stick to limiting beliefs, limiting belief being I'm not enough, mm-hmm. I'm not capable, I'm not, not, not. And you go down that path and you really allow yourself to feel what that experience is like. And then you kind of come back and then you choose a different path of I am enough. Uh, what is the truth? And then almost visualize and really feel in your body what that kind of path looks like. And you, you fast forward five, 10, 20 years and what life would look like, taking those two different paths. And during that experience, I, I remember just having the realization of truth. I mean, it's I got truth tattooed in white ink on my arm mm-hmm. because I wanted to remind myself of the truth, and the truth is I am enough. And even if this little voice, this bad roommate or this mad monkey, as people call it, comes up and is saying, you're not good enough. I I look at this and I just remind myself, no, the truth is I am. And the truth is, as, as humans, we're, we're all dealing with that on some level. I mean, the, the more successful leaders that I connect with and talk to, everyone is, is struggling with this on some level of feeling I'm not enough. They've told themselves I'm not enough at some point. Mm. And here's, here was the shift from the Tony Robbins. I know the truth and I get to choose what I believe. I mean, beliefs are just that. It, it's what do we choose to believe? So for instance, uh, I love this example of if, if someone went up to this, this guy that's in perfect shape and just shredded <clears> and six pack, and bah, you know, just, and someone said, you're fat. Do you think that would affect him at all? Right. Not at all. Not at all because he knows the truth. He believes what he is, which is I, I'm healthy. I'm strong. I'm this. So, so that wouldn't affect him at all. Right. And so the more that I am telling myself the truth of I am enough, if someone else tells me I'm not enough, no, I know I am. If my little mind tells me I'm not enough, no, I know that I am. Hmm. And so that voice definitely comes up. But the more that I come back to the truth and my belief, my core belief is I am, then th- that, that whisper starts to go away. That is beautiful. Yeah.
1: I love that. So you have a limiting belief, you're aware of it. So you, you're aware of it, so you get to notice it when it comes up. You exchange that limiting belief for the empowering belief and the truth that you are enough. And that knowing is enough to allow you to break through that. So that no longer affects your life in, in a very big way anymore as you go.
0: I, I don't ever want to paint the picture of I, I've switched out the beliefs and I'm, it, everything's great. Right, right. No, it, there are definitely those moments. It's almost like when I'm in a, mind, a state of mind where I feel like I'm being challenged or um, that's when it sneaks in the most. Hmm. It's not when things are great. Right. It, it's when, you know, there's a big decision to make or we need to make a big pivot in the business or, or I get, you know, a ne- some kind of negative feedback or, about either, you know, myself or the business or something. Mm-hmm. Or taking on a new challenge, something well, you haven't done before. Totally. Right. That's when that yeah. voice starts to creep in. And uh, again, I, I love this conversation because I, I actually use a combination of switching out for the truth and the belief of I am and I remind myself that I'm going to die. Mm. And so all of a sudden, like, I feel like that's the powerhouse. That's like the mm. one-two punch. Because <laughs> you, you mix that in with you're going to die. I, I don't care what that challenge is. Mm. My friend, um, Dr. Jeremy Goldberg, it was interviewing him for a podcast and he put it in such a great way. I always have to quote him on this. He said, he said Mike, you're gonna suffer one way or another. And he, what he meant by suffer is you're going to experience challenges in life and you're going to be giving up your time. Like right now, we are both giving up our time, the most valuable resource that we have mm-hmm. for this conversation because we both deem this as valuable. Right. And he says, Mike, you're going to be exchanging your life, minutes, days of your life for something. He says, you may as well suffer towards something meaningful. Mm. So you can either suffer you know, behind the, the cubicle and suffer for someone else's dream or what someone else wants you to do or your parents or your friends or something. Or you can suffer towards something that actually matters to me. Hmm. And so I kind of take all of those things and combine and go, challenging, great. I'm gonna suffer either way. Let me, let me direct my mental you know, and energetic capacity towards something that actually matters. I love that. Yeah, because life is gonna be challenging regardless, right?
1: So why not lean into those challenges and do something great? with that discomfort right yeah so many people so many of us have tendencies to steer away from discomfort i mean that's human nature right is to your your instinct our survival instinct is to get away from danger right so it's something that has to be very intentional uh, to lean into that discomfort. Yeah. And in talking with you the other day, thank you for having me over to your place, your beautiful place in Solana Beach. It was, it was amazing chatting with you and getting to know you. Uh, what I realized is you are the one of the most intentional men I've ever met. Yes, so in all areas of your life, and I'd love to hear more about that. Why, why is being intentional with everything that you do and, every, and how you spend every minute
0: of your time so important? thank you for that feedback. And the answer to me is, I know I'm gonna die. <laughs> I keep coming back to <laughs> yeah. it. I, I, I don't wanna waste, I don't wanna, mm. uh, I'm not gonna waste any time. I, I'm, so
1: there's the time-wasting aspect and I notice that you're intentional in all areas of your life, right? It's not just about making an impact on the world. It's about health, fitness, relationship, all of the things. Why is it so important to you to be intentional in all areas of your life? Because there's plenty of business leaders that are out there hard charging and really killing it in business, and the rest of their life is suffering, right? Um, there's. People can be very good at being very intentional and focused in one area, but you are intentional with all areas of your life. So why, why is that? Where does that come from? And what does that what does that do for you?
0: I think the short answer to that is I feel like it's it's what I have to do. It's part of the the Maslows, what I can be, I I must be. Hmm. And I feel like I, I'm just fascinated with potential in general, and I'm fascinated with exploring the edge of that potential, hmm. you know, to your point on things are going to be challenging one way or another in life. This is why I do cold showers in the morning. I think I, I mentioned that to you. Mm-hmm. I start every morning, I do my hot shower, but then I kind of start my breathing and then I shift it to cold. Yeah. And I don't do it because it feels good. I do it because it sucks. <laughs> right? I do it because, oh, okay, if I can deal with this challenge in the morning, then then I and I kind of embrace it. Not only do I embrace it, I welcome it. I'm the one that's forcing right. that challenge for myself, and that just allows me to approach it with a little bit of a different mindset, every single challenge that comes through. And so for me, it becomes a game, it becomes a bit of an adventure. <clears throat> just like someone who I, I was never a big video game player, but mm. you know I, in a video game, I, you, you've got your character and you're trying to you know upgrade your armor, your shields or whatever game you're playing. You're trying to improve upon the character or the situation. Mm-hmm. And yet the greatest game we can ever play is this game of life. And so I'm just constantly trying to upgrade and push the edges of potential. And so in in my health, I think most people would would say, oh, okay, Mike's in good health, and, and that's been important to me, and yet there are still areas where I can optimize, right? I'm mostly whole food, plant-based, and still there are there are tweaks that I'd love to make, like mm. to completely take out any you know refined sugar. There's, I drink yerba mate, which is like my guilty pleasure, but it's got this sugar in there, so <laughs> there's little tweaks that I can make. You know, caffeine, I'm not a huge coffee drinker, and at some point I know that I just wanna remove caffeine entirely, mm. so in my health, one may look on the outside like, oh, this is, this is good. I, I know that that great is possible. Mm-hmm. With my mental health, I mean, I do, I, I'm, I've been consistently meditating for about six, seven years now, mm-hmm. and I'm always uh, trying different from, from mantras to visualizations to, now Sam Harris is my favorite. I, mm-hmm. He's got a wonderful uh, podcast and, and an app called Waking Up that I love, and it's got a guided meditation. So I'm always looking to upgrade mm-hmm. the mental game I'm always looking to upgrade to my spiritual development. And that typically happens through my yoga practice and through spiritual reading. So I, I'm immersed in Audible. I'm immersed in books. Mm. I mean, my life is how can I constantly upgrade? Awesome.
1: Awesome. So then talk about what, what are some of the things that you've done over the last few years to help up-level your game in spirituality, in health, fitness, in your own personal journey to finding, finding your true self
0: and your true, true potential? Yeah. A few of them I touched on earlier, and I'll, I'll start with kind of the big ones, the big rocks, so to speak. So the first thing is my environment. My environment is everything. Mm. And that includes the kind of people that I'm spending time with, the kinds of conversations that I'm having. Marcus Aurelius is my favorite person in history, and a famous Roman emperor philosopher. And he says, the soul becomes dyed with the color of its thoughts. And so I remember reading that and going, what kinds of things am I thinking about? Mm. For instance, I, I never watched the Kardashians or whatever. It doesn't matter if someone does, but if, if you're watching that on TV, that's what you're thinking about. Yeah. And so again, you're going to die. You have a very <laughs> limited amount of time, and yet what you want to spend your time doing is looking, watching, and thinking yes. about the Kardashians. Yeah. That's crazy to me. Like, why not think about? your purpose is, what you're here to do. How can you, can you make your life healthier? How can you improve the life of someone around you? Mm-hmm. And so first I started getting clear on what kinds of things I'm thinking about. Then am I surrounding myself with people who are thinking about those same kinds of things? That's not to say they we share the exact same perspectives about life, but we're interested in having these kinds of conversations. When my friends and I get together, we're not there to gossip. We're not there to talk about the Kardashians. We're talking about <laughs> We're talking about business. We're talking about life. We're talking about impact. We're talking about things that are meaningful to us. So, you know, it starts with the thoughts. Then it, we kind of became my friends. And then I started looking at what are what are the habits? What, what kinds of things are in my environment? You know, TV. I, I don't really watch TV. Um, my son and I will watch Shark Tank. You know, at the end of the day, to kind of disconnect, we'll we'll maybe watch a fun series or something. But it's not like the TV I used to have where it was just on in the background, mm-hmm. you know, the news are running uh, or, you know, some games on in the back. The, that just doesn't really happen. Mm-hmm. Then alcohol for me, it, it's for some people, it makes them feel great. I just had to be really honest with myself. Of When I drink, number one, it makes me tired, even a drink. And number two, I don't feel 100% the next morning. So I actually just had to say, it doesn't matter if society says it's okay or if it's the normal thing to do when mm-hmm. you come home or on a Friday or Saturday night, how does it make, how does it affect me? And it didn't make me feel great. So I just started removing all those things. And, mm-hmm. and I started just doing that more and more, kind of move the big rocks first, then the little ones. And, and I'm still doing that. Like I mentioned with caffeine, there are still these areas of my life that I'd like to optimize, but I'd like to think for the most part, I've, I've removed a lot of the big rocks, my life
1: awesome awesome that's great so going going back to business what what would you say is the biggest challenge you've faced in growing your businesses in your business ventures the biggest challenge biggest setback biggest
0: challenge yeah i don't know if i can boil it down to one i'll I'll, I'll share a few of the things that come up for me Um, The the first one is finding the intersection of income and impact. I'm a very impact driven person. And I'm also keenly aware that the income is the lifeblood of the business. And so for a long time, I, I didn't feel comfortable in the sales role because I just kind of, everything that I ever did, I wanted to give away for free. I just mm-hmm. wanted everyone to have it. A mm. couple things I realized, that's not sustainable for me. And also when you're giving things away for free, people just don't value it, mm. right? And so um, for me, that's always been, I, I, I love finding where that sweet spot is of being very impact driven and having only organizations now that that are focused on impact, but at the same time creating sustainable business models behind them that serve people in the best possible way that they can. Mm. And now I've really, I've been able to figure that out and that's what we teach people how to do is where do you find that beautiful intersection of the two? The things you're most excited and passionate about that you would do for free, but yet still charging what you feel is, is, you know, will provide for the kind of lifestyle that you need.
1: Has that always been a thing for you that you've
0: always, that you haven't been driven by money? Or is that told no, not the case at all. Okay. So when I, it's funny, the pendulum swung both ways. And, okay. and here here's the examples. I graduated college, didn't study entrepreneurship at all, but I knew at the time my son was going to be moving down to San Diego because he was with his mom, who's my best friend now. Um, and they were going to be moving down and I needed to support them. Hmm. And so my mindset was, I need to make money. Hmm. That's it. And if, if it was... Uh, doing something I love to do. Great bonus, but no, the money is what I need to do. And I had a very clear goal. You know, I'm going to make six figures in six months. This is what I'm going to do. And I looked at the different opportunities out there. Again, no community, didn't know where to go. No entrepreneurship training, knew pretty much nothing about business aside from watching Shark Tank episodes, (laughs) you know, how to value a company or something. And so I I bought into the Fit Body Bootcamp uh, franchise before they did the franchise model. They sent me a bunch of DVDs. Watch those DVDs, you know, boom, boom, Bajros Koulian, uh, who now runs Fit Body Bootcamp, you know, talks you through how to start this business. And it was private and semi-private personal training. My why was so strong. My why was I need to support my son mm-hmm. being down here in San Diego, which is not a cheap place to live. Mm-hmm. And I ended up starting this business and we expanded and grew our trainers to two locations and, you know, a bunch of people. And, um, that was solely revenue driven. Hmm. So it was great that I leveraged my expertise in health and wellness. It was great that I was helping people, but the honest answer was I was doing it for the money. Hmm. And so um, I I feel grateful because I I feel like life will always give us little nudges of when it's time to transition to the next thing. And so, you know, as this business is on its way up, I also realized it's time to do something a little more meaningful to me. And so I ended up, that's the business I kind of sold to the, the first trainer that I had, because in a personal training business, the client list is the, the most valuable part of the business. So sold that and had a little bit of kind of runway to figure out what was next. Mm. And then I started um, my first social venture, which was Karuna Towels. And I was taking yoga teacher training at the time and realized that, you know, when people do hot yoga, there's a towel that you place over your mat. And I ended up finding an organization that I was passionate about, the Against Malaria Foundation, Mm -hmm. and partnered with them, did a one-for-one model. And every towel we sold, we would provide a bed net to a family in Africa. Worked with a bunch of manufacturers, got things shipped over. And that was my first kind of dip into social entrepreneurship, but really was focused on kind of the impact side of it
1: and that's when you wanted you wanted to give everything away for free wanted and, to give everything
0: away for free yeah. and I, and I
1: did so you went the pendulum to it's all about the money to it's swinging it's over to here and you know what I realized that that's not how I want to live and you swung over to here yeah and then you swung back towards the middle exactly knowing that you it's the lifeblood of a business exactly in order it's it's the lifeblood of making an impact in the world yeah yeah that's excellent Yeah, and and I had a similar experience where the first 15 years of my career was all about status, promotion, money, raises, you know, all of the things, right, that checked all the boxes, like you said earlier. And then I I did the same thing. I swung to the other side of the pendulum and almost saw making money or the intent of making money as evil, you know, and, and just had an an adverse reaction to the thought of doing something just to make money. And yeah, and now I'm, I've swung back to the middle to realize that it's not unhealthy. It's, it is a healthy thing. It's an incredibly healthy thing and incredibly important. Profit is incredibly important for an organization to continue to make their impact in the world.
0: Yeah, One of my best friends, Brad Hart, has uh, three rules to live by. And I, I, it's awesome. He says, make a lot of money, help a lot of people, have a lot of fun. And yep. it, it's very I simple, it. and I, I wouldn't have agreed with that, you know, ten years ago. Hmm. No, you know, or, you know, when I was in this phase of, money's not important. Right. But the right. reality is, it just gets to amplify the things we do. Yeah. Think about the amazing impact we create when we make a lot of money, at the same time helping a lot of people and having a lot of fun doing it, not burning out, not feeling like we're just grinding away every single day. I, I don't yeah. subscribe to that level, you know, that, that level of thinking either. Awesome.
1: Awesome. So okay. So. You founded the Greatness Foundation, the Greatness Collective. Um, you have your, your you host your podcast, do great things. What do you have coming up? Talk about uh, what what you're working on right now and and going forward.
0: Yeah, so the big focus for me now is is coming back to the core of of what we do, which is community, and the Greatness Collective is this global community that's creating a better world. And we don't just say that, it's, it's actually people do doing great things. That's why we have do great things trademarked. It's not you know think great things, it's not talk about great things, it's actually go out and do them. Mm. And what's really exciting to me is this community is, is growing and we have these local chapters now where people are coming together every month for these free events called Greatness Gatherings. They're getting to, to connect with other people Again, the community that I always wanted. And they're actually going out in their local communities and, and figuring out what the biggest challenges are and coming up with solutions for them. Oh, I love that. So we're that's a big focus, is spreading that across the globe as more and more of these chapters start to open up. And what's really great is the collective on the back end is a really great resource for them. So, you know, we have a seven-day build something that matters challenge. So if someone mm-hmm. says, I want to start a nonprofit, I want to start a business, I want to start a community we give them a free resource, it's seven days, for them to go through and and figure out what that thing is and how to build it from the ground up. Hmm. Then we have programs, we have masterminds, we have all these other things to support people. But to come back to what we started with in the conversation, the flag that we've planted down is people who want to make a difference, people who want to find that beautiful intersection of impact and income. Hmm. And we're creating communities on these, you know, micro, these city levels across the globe. And we have the entire backend infrastructure to support them with whatever they need. And even if they're, they're up and running and they're a successful business, then we have the Greatness Ventures, which supports them with funding, advising, marketing, tech, whatever oh, wow. they need, we've got the resources for them.
1: Oh, that's amazing. That's great. Great. So then how... How do people find you? How do
0: we find you? Is it a web page? Yeah. You can, my personal, they can go to sherbikov.com, You'll see all the projects I'm involved with there or GreatnessCollective.com. You can Google Greatness Foundation, the nonprofit side of what we do. So um, everything's on my website.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for being here today. This was so much fun. Episode one of True Leader Shift. I'm uh, so grateful for you. I appreciate you. I respect you. You are a great example of an amazing leader, amazing man, amazing father. um, And I'm just blessed to know you. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Grateful to be here.